0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Table Talk, discussions of church, theology, and culture. My name is Luke Burrow. I am the family and ministry coordinator here at CBC Elderton. With me, as always, is our lead pastor, Andrew Hall. At this point, you are joining us for our seventh episode in our series of Growing Together in the Church. We've, uh, we've come a long way in the last six episodes, and we're, we're getting closer to the end. Last week, we talked about growing together as a church in generosity. And this week, Andrew, we want to shift gears into growing in love and specifically growing in love for our neighbors. And so I think as we talk about this uh, for this episode, of course, the first question that comes up is is a question that actually came up in the Bible as well. The, The question, who is my neighbor? If we want to love our neighbor well, We should know how to answer that question and so andrew who is my neighbor (laughs) this
1: is uh this is a great question because it comes up in luke 10 Mm -hmm. when jesus is asking um he is asked a question about how one inherits eternal life and he says to this uh, lawyer uh what's written in the law and the law the lawyer says you shall love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength and uh, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus tells him, "Yes, do this and live." But then the lawyer, wanting to justify himself, uh, asks Jesus, "Who is my neighbor?" And then Jesus tells this parable about a man who is going from uh, who is going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Presumably, he's finished religious duties. Uh, he's on the road and he's descending from Jerusalem down to Jericho. It's a dangerous road. He's beaten up by robbers, and a uh, and, and what what happens then is that um, a priest passes by and a Levite passes by, and it seems like they don't want to touch this 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 man because he might make them ceremonially unclean. Mm-hmm. And so this Samaritan comes along who actually is, um, is considered an outcast by an Israelite. And, and what happens is uh, what we have is this Samaritan taking care of, of this, uh, presumably a Jew uh, and taking him and getting him at um, some sort of care home and paying for his needs. And, um, and Jesus ends the parable by saying, uh, which of these three, the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan, do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the man says, he who showed him mercy. Now, I'm, I'm just going to take one little moment of diversion here and say, the question is, who is my neighbor? And Jesus asks him, who do you think proved to be a neighbor? Yeah. And the irony is that we're not, as much as we make the parable about us loving our neighbor, it's actually our neighbor who loves us, uh-huh. which is the irony, which means that we're the ones who are in need of grace and mercy and help and kindness, that we're the ones who are beaten up on the road. Uh-huh. So long before we get this idea that I need to do good to my neighbor, I have to first recognize that, that God has done good to me. Yeah. That when I was undeserving, he came to me, he rescued me, he helped me. Then, when we say "Who is my neighbor, then it's anyone who comes ac- who, who I come across who's yeah. in need and the reality is that well, we live in a world where we've got um, you know if you're on facebook you've like you've probably got hundreds of quote unquote friends, or on social media, you have tons of followers. Mm-hmm. So so then the question is, who really is my neighbor? And I would say the, the simple answer is the people around you in your sphere of life, in your home, and then those you're either going to school with, you're working with, mm-hmm. uh, your immediate neighbors, uh, we, we should think in terms of spheres rather than just yeah big broad general categories what, because rather than just saying all people right yeah. because because we, we're limited in our capacity and our resources yeah. we we only we're finite so we can't do everything to everyone. Uh, you can't be driving down the road and always be giving out uh, money to every single person that's asking for money like yeah. you would be broke financially but those people that are in your sphere of influence around you, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your home, in your church. That's where we start. Those are my neighbors. Those are the people I think that we, we, we need to understand. They're the ones who are in my sphere of influence. And I recognize that because God has put them in my life as as good for me and as me who is to be good for them.
0: And it's really crucial going back to the story of the Good Samaritan that we we root our love of neighbor in the love that has been shown to us. This is, of course, something that, as you listen to this episode, you've heard us talk about a million times. We we can't be disciplined in any kind of way. We we can't minister in any kind of way in our own strength without first acknowledging where we are rooted and where our strength comes from in the first place. And so, uh, when we understand that we have received grace from God when we didn't deserve it, we're and that there's nothing that we need to do to earn favor with God, that takes a whole layer of anxiety Uh and hand-wringing out of how do I love everyone around me? And it lets us just have freedom to as we pour out the love that has been given to us, as opportunities arise, we don't have to feel a fear and anxiety. We can, we can love freely because we have loved freely. And that, that's a really important starting point as we talk about growing in love for neighbor, not just as individuals, but ultimately as a, as a church. That's, that's what we are called to do. The, you know, the greatest commandments are love God and love neighbor. And we want to, to do that not out of a place of guilt or of obligation, but out of a, a genuine love and gratitude for the grace that we have been shown. And so, yes, we use the word neighbor in our modern context to refer to the people that live around us in our neighborhoods. And while those people certainly are our neighbors, uh, it's a little more than that. And I think you've defined it very well here, Andrew. And so now that we have that sense, we want to talk about uh, what it really means to love our neighbor, what are ways that we can do that. And so the the question I'll kick over to you, Andrew, how can I love my
1: neighbor? So uh, two basic categories, we love in word and deed. Mm-hmm. And, and the scriptures speak about uh, not just merely loving with words, but but also with our actions. First um, yeah. uh, John will speak, First John 3, I think it is, speaks about how um, if I see my brother in need, but I do not have compassion on him, or I think that's James 2, actually, um, how can... Uh, it might be John. I, I can't remember which one, but both are inferring that we have to love with with good works, and also that if I see my brother who is in need and I do not have compassion on him, how can the love of God truly be in me? So, mm-hmm. so we we don't just merely James says like if you see someone in need and you say to him, go be you know be encouraged, be well fed, and yet you don't help him. Like there's really no, no love. There's no good there being done. Right. So we love in both word and deed. So I'd say then what does it mean to, to, to love in word and deed? Uh, First, uh, I would say that we need to get to know the people around us. We need to get to know them. Who are they? Um, We need to have some sort of relationship with them. Uh, I I would go back to hospitality and and say one Mm -hmm. way that we, we love our neighbors practically like, most people don't know um, the the neighbors that are immediately around them. Yeah, it's and very so, common. And so, especially in suburbia, uh, where where we are, or in in urban life, um, you kind of live an insulator an, an insulated life. Yeah. So I I would say like, do you know the people on your block? Mm-hmm. Um, are you able to have a conversation? It's 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 basic things. Uh, We've given a baking at Christmas time just to get to know our neighbors. I know some people have had a barbecue and they have other people over and it's just opening up your home. Um, It's it's sharing a gift at a a time. Uh, If you see a crisis that's going on, just not intruding and putting yourself or inserting yourself into the crisis, but just, I know that, I, I just know that things have been up here and I just, I don't need to know, but here's... Here's a meal, here's a gift. It's amazing what those things do just in terms of building building trust, have a coffee with a neighbor. Um, You can share things like tools or um, Jesus did something interesting uh, when he was walking through Samaria. So we want to talk about being a good Samaritan. Mm -hmm. Jesus, when he was in Samaria, passing through in John four, instead of going around like the typical Jew would and avoid the Samaritans, uh, because they were considered half-breeds by pure Jews, um, Jesus passes through Samaria. He sits down at his, at a well while his disciples go into town to get some food. John four tells us, and as he's sitting there, a woman comes to the well and 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 he asks her for water, yeah. living water, and and so he he obligates himself. Here here is the eternal, infinite, all powerful Son of God in human form. Being dependent upon a Samaritan woman expressing a need, yeah, and he's expressing a need. And so there's something also about it's okay to ask my neighbor, "Hey, can I borrow an egg? Yeah. Can I get a cup of flour? Uh, can I borrow a tool?" And using that as an opportunity to have conversations to yeah. get to know your neighbor. And then so just as we're loving in in uh, in 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 terms of, resources, hospitality. We're also loving in word by by maybe writing a card or a note or giving a Christmas update. Uh, the, the seasons, uh, religious seasons are a great opportunity to share just a word of encouragement about our faith, mm-hmm. letting people know that we are believers, that we pray for them. It doesn't have to be the full on gospel presentation the first time we meet them but loving my neighbor means i i know them i share life with them and i seek to encourage them
0: and in many ways everything that we're talking about it involves sort of pushing back against sort of what is the cultural norm around us it's very very easy uh, Harder in certain places than others, but generally speaking, across the board, it's, it's easy to not ever, as you say, know who your neighbors are, never speak to them, to live on a street full of houses and not know anybody. That is just very much the, the water we're swimming in. That's the, <laughs> the air we breathe. And in that sense, you know, as we think about how to love our neighbor, how to get started, it's, it's I think, an encouragement in some way. The, the bar is actually quite low. You don't yeah. actually have to do that much to really stand out and to be able to to grow in these ways when my wife and I moved into our house we just we took some baking to our neighbors just said hey we we want to say hi and i mean that was 5 years ago and people still bring that up as like that stood out to them and mm-hmm. they they're predisposed to want to talk with us and be friendly with us just cuz we did that one thing one time it, it didn't take longer than 20 minutes and it, it really is in, in some ways nice to know that any intentionality in this area is going to go a long way and the, the Lord will, will bless that for sure as, as his people seek to do wow. that. So we want to really just get to know our neighbors, be, be in their lives. And that, that in itself, it doesn't have to be complicated and that, that can very much be helpful and effective. And so then as we seek to grow in love of neighbor, another important question we need to ask is, why is it important to love our neighbor? There's some obvious answers to that question, I think, but maybe some some less obvious ones. And so let's talk about that a little bit. Why is it important that we love our neighbors?
1: So, we, we can start on a theological level and say God commands us to, um, yeah. <laughs> because loving God and loving neighbor are the essence of the law. So the greatest commandments. That's yeah. the greatest commandments. And the way that faith is expressed is in loving neighbor. It's mm-hmm. faith moves outside of itself. It's, you're, you're not inward focused. But then practically speaking, why do I love my neighbor? Well, we could give the good Sunday school answer and say, well, I Get to know my neighbors so I can talk to them about Jesus. Yeah. Absolutely, I'm not going to deny that. Sure. Uh, the reality is, though, that what happens when you're in relationship with other people is you're building community. So if you think about um, living in a neighborhood, if if I'm interested in my neighbor, if I'm interested in their life, and and I'm I'm interacting with them what that does is it promotes a sense of well-being and community. Mm-hmm. And in a world of increased disconnect, knowing your next-door neighbor, having conversations with them, being like I, I'm amazed at I've been in my neighbors' homes and I get yeah. to hear stories about their lives. We watch out for one another. So suddenly when I'm away, my neighbor is watching my house, I'm watching their house. There's a vested interest yeah. in the good of our community. Um, when when someone's vehicle is broken into, knowing that something's been happening in the neighborhood, suddenly all the neighbors are alerted. We're watching out. We're we're um, we're noticing. Oh, we should keep our lights on at night. There's just practical elements of safety and strength mm-hmm. and encouragement. There's the sense of um, promoting the well-being of where you live. What happens when you're disconnected from people is that in that disconnect. It allows sin to flourish. But when you're seeking to come together, you're actually promoting the common good. You're protecting the common good. You're watching out for your neighbor's property. You're watching out for one another. There's a safety in that. It allows kids to flourish in a neighborhood where... They're free to play, and they're they they know that they're safe. Um, it, it was interesting the other day. Uh, Melanie was on the front porch, and uh, she was having uh, coffee with someone, and some kids from the school stopped by, and they're like, "Miss Melanie, this is where you live." And yeah. you know, there was this um, there was this sense of of like, oh, like they felt comfortable, and if. Just in a practical sense, think about what comfort does when when you know that's where that person lives you know there's a safe place you there's a sense of trust mm-hmm. there's my life becomes integrated and we live in a world where everything is always being pulled apart my my work is separate from where i live which is separate from where i worship which is separate from my friendships and and all these things like we're so used to the vehicle and moving around that we don't have any sense of rootedness but creating a little bit of a sense of rootedness in a community can go a long way. Loving my neighbor actually does good in terms of the gospel and it does good in terms of the common good. And so Mm -hmm. I'd say there are both theological and very practical reasons why I love my neighbor.
0: I think that common good consideration is a really important one. I I spent some of my life in what I would describe as a, a quite sort of, spiritually intense sort of culture where there would have been those who may have believed something along the lines of like, if you're not actively like doing like speaking gospel words, then you're not doing good. And it's totally worthless. Like this, these relationships, this camaraderie, all of this common good that you're talking about, some people could be tempted to feel like those things aren't valuable, that those things aren't good, that only sort of direct sort of spiritual work is of any value. And that's that I think is a can be a, a dangerous thing. We, we want to foster these relationships. We want to foster this sense of community and this closeness and this safety and this goodness it, in part just because goodness is good and it's worth pursuing. And in, in some ways, this would be like us thinking about uh, some people in the church may want to be involved in politics or in certain parachurch ministries and feel like that's a calling of the church. Whereas we may say, instead uh, the church has its own role and its own sphere and other people can go do good just because it's good. And we don't have to we don't have to connect everything to the mission of the church so closely. It's okay to, to just do good because it's good. And good is worth pursuing, even if in every moment it doesn't have a direct sort of evangelistic spiritual application. Because all of these things that we're fostering do ultimately, I think, serve, mm-hmm. serve the gospel in, in indirect ways. And I, th- I think we want to avoid, uh, avoid being so radical that we, we feel like all good is worthless if it's not like a very specific kind yeah. of good.
1: M- Martin Luther would say, uh, God doesn't need my good works, but my neighbor does. Yeah, for sure. And and what my good works do is it allows me to bear witness to the fact that as a Christian, I live with a different operating system. Yeah, I don't have to always be explicitly s- speaking the gospel mm-hmm. to show that my life is different. Yeah. I-, I have a difference because... Christ sets me up in this world as one who is set apart for him. And so, therefore, I'm looking for the common good. It's, it's not difficult. It's if we avoid, if, if we're only ever doing good deeds, but we're never speaking the word, the word of life, then that's an issue. But if we're only speaking the word of life and we're never displaying that the gospel changes my life through my deeds then we have a, an equal problem. Yeah, we absolutely. need both word and deed. And so loving our neighbor is an opportunity for us to show that the gospel is working to change us to think about, not about ourselves, but about others. And it's it's not a consolation
0: to sort of real work. It is a very crucial and important part of it. That's right. Absolutely. And so ending off, as we always do, we want to give some some resources to our listeners. So as we think about loving neighbor, Andrew, do any resources come to your mind that you want to pass along?
1: Uh, the first one is um, there's a, uh, he is now a president of Wheaton College. Uh, he was pastor of uh, 10th, Pres- 10th Presbyterian uh, in Philadelphia, Phil Riken. Um, and his, his book is entitled, uh, Loving the Way Jesus Loved. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's simply a, a reflection on 1 Corinthians thirteen, and I think that's a, a helpful place to start. Um, when we when we know um, when we know the details of the gospel, when we when we understand the gospel, when we understand what it means to love, there's something profound. Um, there's the, there there's just you can never plumb the depths of First Corinthians thirteen. What enough, a wonderful chapter! Yeah, uh, the love chapter. Um, there's also a book, I haven't read it, but it's it's in my Amazon cart and just waiting to be purchased for a time where I have time. Um, and and it's a book that that I think would be helpful and practical for others to read um, because of the comments and others who have commended it to me. I think it, it's very much worth it. It's by uh, Stephen Viers, I think his last name is, V-I-A-R-S. It's called Loving uh, Your Community. Proven Practices for Community-Based Outreach Ministry. And in that book, he's he's really trying to address um, how how we love our community uh, in terms of loving in the name of Christ, meeting needs, caring for the welfare of your community, uh, counseling, opening facilities, classes, uh, just reorganizing ministry, Uh, restoring neighborhoods, community centers, uh, treatment programs, all those types of things. That that might not be for everyone, but I think it, it will at least sow some ideas in your mind in terms of how you can love your community. And the resource I'm going to recommend
0: is one that I've recommended before and will probably recommend again in the future, which isn't strictly about loving neighbor, but gets back to what we talked about in the beginning of, uh, what is the proper foundation what is the the motivation how how do we root ourselves before we reach out and uh, this book is called ordinary by michael horton and speaks a lot about resting in christ and from a place of rest having the freedom to love without fear or guilt or out of a, a motivation to earn god's favor and there there are sections that he has in that book of of Just loving your neighbor in practical ways, in a in a very calm, peaceful, restful place, not constantly self focused, not constantly evaluating your performance, but just from a place of rest and gratitude, how do you love others? So I can can highly recommend the book Ordinary by Michael Horton. And I probably will again (laughs) in, in the future. So thanks for joining us for this episode of Table Talk, talking about growing in love for neighbor. Next week, we will be talking about growing in evangelism, a conversation that I think will piggyback off of this one in a number of ways. We look forward to having you join us then. Till then, have a wonderful week, everybody.